it usually kind of stays together and everyone puts their weaker guy there, so that's what we did. Uh -huh. And then uh, all the other countries decided to put their strongest guy there. So I was standing there. So the plan was to try to get a gap early for yeah. the other countries. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so the women were coming in and uh, I was standing around. There, the women were on the run about to tag us off and like, I was standing there with Brownlee, Vincent Louis, <laughs> like just like the strongest guys in triathlon at the moment. And I was kind Please of, tell me you told them bring it on before <laughs> you left, right? No, I was just freaking out. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome. To another episode of Coaches on Couches. Being slouches with a very non-slouch. <laughs> Probably our least slouchy person. Despite him slouching in the couch yeah. right now. We've got Seth Ryder on the couch today. We'll get to him in a moment. I am Coach Dale Sanford. I am Coach Bryant Funston. <laughs> we are co-founders of BPC Performance Coaching, where we specialize in helping time crunch athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance. Every BPC coach is trained in our five pillars coaching system that's been developed over the last decade. Through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels, from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors, you can find out more about BPC by going to buildpcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpcompete, or Instagram at BPC Performance. Dale, you're, you're nailing that, man. I'm pretty soon it. you're not going to have to read that. I know. Pretty soon. Sounding pretty it's good, though. It's getting close. We'll flow. We'll flow <laughs> to it. It's getting close. All right. So, before we get to Seth, shout outs. Shout out time. Um, I got a shout out. Lee Rustin. She uh, signed up to go race in Birmingham, uh, crit on oh, the Saturday. Hammerfest, yeah. The Hammerfest, yeah. And due to, I, I believe it was because of the giant storm that happened, they a lot of the D1 teams that were going to be there couldn't make it. So smaller field size, they combined the the one two three women with all the the D one elite women. Uh, so she, uh, as a cat three, was lining up in a, a very stacked field yeah, for the first stout. time and did well. She said it's the most fun she'd had has had thus far in her racing career, uh, racing with them and and being part of that whole atmosphere. So shout out to her. All right, mine uh, mine is just uh, shout out to the weekday Hammerfest. Yeah. It's uh time changed and all of the you know weekday group rides are back on. I forgot how much I missed that ride. And we were talking about we've been talking about trying to get Seth uh, like we're like next time he comes to town, uh we got to get him on the couch. Yeah. And sure enough, we see him show up to the uh, Hammerfest this week. It's like, yeah. Perfect opportunity. Perfect. So here we go. You got any shout-outs? Shout out David Boyd. That's about it. <laughs> no, David Boyd. Not too many specific reasons, but shout out to David, D Boyd. He was Begging for it. He was. Requested just the shout out, man. Requested the shout out, and he gets it. <laughs> you complied. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so before we get to Seth, we have a little bit of business to tend to. Uh, we've got our our free entries for uh, Memphis and May to give away. So here we go. If you're, uh, you don't have to be present to win, <laughs> but. I say you do. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll send it. We'll send the information to you via Facebook Messenger. So, uh, for the sprint distance, we've got Joey Cunningham. boy, Joey. And uh, so First now, ever. He said yeah. first ever try. Yeah. So, now you have no, no excuse. No excuse. Not to do your first triathlon. And then, uh, for the Olympic, we've got Christy Goldrick. All right, Christy. Christy's uh, taking home the, the free entry for the Olympics. So, watch your, uh, watch your Facebook messenger and, uh, yeah. We'll now, both info. of you that got a free entry, your goal is to bring one new person to the race. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. You cool. gotta, we got to keep this sport growing. For sure. All right. So, Seth. Seth Ryder, hometown hero, Germantown, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, battling it out with the best in the world these days. So, Funston, break down a little bit of... Uh, so Seth doesn't have to brag on himself here. Yeah, I mean, Seth, how many times did you win the uh, kids' try at St. George's? <laughs> uh, I think you're allowed to do it from 7 <laughs> until 15, maybe. So quick math. <laughs> so, so you know that, like... So of all your highlights, we know that's number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know that meme 
that that goes around where it's like the kid uh-huh. uh at the start line of a race with like a skin suit, oh, yeah. and an aero helmet, and disc and di- like deep dish wheels, and everybody else is on like mm-hmm. kids bikes. That was definitely. I'm pretty sure that's Seth. Yeah, oh, it was. I remember being out there for a while. I had a he guru. Was, he was flames. ripping it. He yeah. was out there ripping it too. Yeah, there's like kids on like cruising. He's <laughs> swerving all around him. Oh man, it was awesome. Hilarious. Man. Uh, but besides that, so he took that uh, that early on success. Yeah. And uh, has now been racing across the globe. It's been really awesome to see uh, to see your growth as an athlete. Uh, last year, you know, breaking uh, down a few of your your great results, few top tens. Uh, Chengdu, did I say that right? Yep. Um, ITU Triathlon World Cup, tenth uh, overall in the finals. Then we had Antwerp, sixth overall. Um, huge result. We're talking in the world here, crew. In yeah, the this world. is not this is not a, a national or regional event. These are this was not GPAC Hammerfest. <laughs> he did not at Tuesday Worlds ride. It was not. And uh, the last one that we were going to mention, I guess there was two. Uh, Edmonton mixed relay. Uh, you guys were second overall. Yeah, which was a obviously a great result. It's a really cool event. Mm-hmm. What's the one I'm missing here? Uh, is it this one? Tong Yong? Yeah, that was a pretty solid race. Also, just barely outside the top 10. I mean, yeah. So, a lot of huge results on the world scene. Yeah. Where we've been seeing him. Uh, we were just talking before we went live, uh, watching Seth on TV. It's always cool when you uh, get to watch people on TV that you yeah. uh, used to race against. Um, I tend to to yell at the TV more when you when you kind of know somebody. That's Each time he was pulling through, we're like, hey, stop working on the bike. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did the same thing when... Johnny Brown won the mm-hmm. won the national oh, championships. Awesome. I was like, I was glued screaming to the screen. at the TV. Uh, but yeah, it's I was up super early, like somewhere else in the world. I think I was maybe in Europe or somewhere. And yeah, yeah, watching it him do cool that was awesome. For sure. So, like, give a give us a little breakdown on like you know how you got into triathlon. Can you can you have a little bit of a uh, interesting story about getting into it and how you how early you kind of specialized mm-hmm. in triathlon. Yeah. So like how you got in and like what, like honestly what hooked you because, you know, kids these days uh, tend to not like be so passionate about a sport like this mm-hmm. so early on. Yeah. Uh, well, my dad did triathlons basically, I don't know when he started, but from when he was pretty young, I think mid twenties, my dad was racing triathlons and then so then my, I have two older brothers, like three and five years older than me. So when I was probably as early as I can remember, I remember going to Iron Kids races and watching them race and stuff like that. So, I mean, as like the youngest sibling, you just want to be like your, Absolutely. your older brother. So as soon as I was old enough to race, so like six, seven, I was old enough to race these Iron Kids races. And yeah, like that's basically how I got to start. I just went right into it when I was seven and then... I mean, I was always doing other sports. Like, I played lacrosse pretty seriously. And then uh, some, like, basketball. I mean, all the normal sports. Yeah. I never played football. You're more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Team sports. Yeah. And I played those, but I was just, like, I always came back to triathlon. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just had got the bug, got yeah. bit by the bug. and Did you yeah. just enjoy it more? Or did you just, you, like, you just, uh, you know, a lot of times it's, like, you get into sports and then you, you tend to like gravitate toward the one where you have like the most success, obviously. Around here, I was better than most other seven year olds, but that's not that big of an accomplishment. (laughs) So like, (laughs) it's not like I was drastically better at triathlon when I was younger than I was at lacrosse or something. Yeah. So uh, at what age did you start kind of going outside of the Memphis area? Uh, I mean, even from like, just because of my older brothers when I was like seven, eight, nine, they were going to nationals, Iron okay. Kids nationals and okay, stuff. Nice. So like we were going for them because they were a bit older, a bit oh, more competitive, yeah. but I would just tag along and mm-hmm. race as well at okay. like the young age groups. But yeah, then it was just totally fun. Like I just really enjoyed it. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. I just wanted to be like my older brothers. And, and who, who would you say, are you the top of the, uh, of the brothers now? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> You're like, the brothers aren't on the couch, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's an easy question to answer. So at what point did you, like, kind of, the, do you remember, like, the first time you beat them at the same race? Uh, I don't think I, they stopped racing before we ever actually raced together. Because, gotcha. like, and all that stuff, it's just. It's a good strategy. 
Yeah, before you get beat, just stop racing. But I remember it was my dad. That was the big one, because, like, once I was a bit older, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know, 12, 13, I st stopped doing kids' races. Uh-huh. And, like, I still did kids' races at nationals and stuff, but I did, like, age group sprint races, I Memphis and Man, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And I remember, like, the first time that I beat my dad was Memphis and May because we were all, we were like getting I mean when I first started he was pretty strong yeah and he was like Walt's crushing been a very yeah he's been a yeah shout out to guy Walt. in the yes. in he's, the Memphis he's scene been for a long, a long time yeah and then uh, yeah so like he was crushing me when I was younger and then every year I would get closer and closer uh, and closer uh, uh, and Memphis and May was always the race that we would battle at in the sprint distance race and uh yeah eventually down in tunica i got them one year nice and it was at what age what age do you remember? i think i was maybe like 14 or 15. but it was close like it came down to just maybe like 30 or 40 seconds nice i think i remember Did you like on the ride home year. say uh the student has become a teacher <laughs> i don't think so no no i definitely too I, for that. he like i definitely we had a we had a bet going that included some sort of food reward mm. Those are always the best. Yeah, yeah. So you're, uh, so obviously, like in the, um, you know, draft legal and ITU, you're you're doing mostly sprint distance races. Mm -hmm. You know, with like a couple of the, um, you know, a standard distance. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So like, um, you know, but with that, you know, with it being shorter, like, um, I guess we'll talk a little bit about that mixed relay platform because it's really kind of gaining in popularity yeah and uh you know now that it's in the olympics as mm -hmm. well um you know last year in edmonton you got to go and do it and you got yeah. to play second yeah you know, tell a little bit about about the mixed relay platform and kind of your experience in doing mm -hmm. that yeah some have probably never never heard of it yeah. yeah so basically whenever i tell someone i do the mixed relay like even like what you said you're like oh what do you do swim bike or run and that's like the only sort of triathlon relay that yeah. people know but the mixed relay is totally different. So it starts out with, you have two girls, two guys on the team, and it goes girl, guy, girl, guy, and each person does a super sprint triathlon, and then you just tag off after, after your leg. So the distances are like, it really depends, but it's usually 300 swim, and then like uh, maybe three and a half, four miles on the bike. It's like, like six K. Yeah, it's six K. It's just painful. Yeah. And then a mile on, on the run. So it's just like, I mean, maybe like less than 20 minutes, full gas from the start, like full sprinting through transition. Yeah, because your time was under 19. It was 19 something. I was just looking at the, yeah, at yeah. the results. Like it's, yeah, you never, it's just full gas from the start until you tag off. It's pain, pain. And like, yeah, you always push yourself that extra bit because when you're, you're racing for the team. Oh, exactly. So like, yeah, it's. And you I don't want to let others down, so you dig that little. Yeah. yeah. And I've been doing mixed relay for a long time, but not a lot in the year. Like, they had it at junior elite nationals every year. Oh. So you race like I was in like the southeast regional junior team. Okay. And we had the uh, the mixed team relay the day after the individual there from when I was like, I think I did the first one when I was 14 or 15. Oh. And then we did it like all through my junior years, but only just like one a year at nationals and then now since it got into the olympics they're having a lot more yeah. so they have them at like a lot of the wts races will have a mixed relay like the day after like you saw in abu dhabi yeah. a few weeks ago so yeah. from like an excitement level you know from fans obviously that'd be a lot more fan friendly than yeah. something like iron man you know where yeah. people are going out for 100 plus miles and yeah uh so is do you, do you feel that like yeah. being there you know is that is there more excitement surrounding that than yeah i mean it's awesome versus, because uh, like it's i think it's just so much more exciting than even i mean even a sprint distance race it race they're pretty uh -huh. exciting to watch i mean it's over it's only an hour long yeah. like 50 minutes long for the yeah. end uh -huh. and like yeah you're doing loops so like you never go more than five minutes without seeing them go by in uh -huh. a sprint distance race but i don't know it's kind of predictable what's going to happen you can like you know like it's going to be a group on the bike but in the relay like like each relay uh, as far as like the World Series relays go, it goes totally different. Like sometimes the first women's leg, they kind of all stay together and there's like a big group starting the second leg for like the first men's leg. And then other races, it just gets like blown apart and it's just groups of one and two. So like it really, you never know what's going to happen. And I mean, you watch for 80 minutes and you see four people do a triathlon. So yeah. it's pretty cool. That's yeah. awesome. 
Is that so? Is that the I've kind of started following the major league triathlon yeah. stuff. Is it similar? Is that like a similar team event? Like, is it like a yeah? It's exactly the same. So it's yeah. just a series of mixed team relays in the U.S. Yeah, and they have like four or five races, and usually they'll have a super sprint individual in the morning, and then uh, the mixed relay in the afternoon, and you kind of race for like your team that you get selected on at the beginning of the year. So they kind of select the teams based on like training groups. Like last year, my coach, like our our group, we had a team, San Diego Stingrays, and we were uh, shout out. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> Go stingrays. <laughs> we, and we were hand signal there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, MLT was really fun last year, and yeah, just to provide because there's not a ton of opportunities to race mixed relay. Yeah. So they added like five races. There more opportunities to do mixed relay, which is good because like also USA Triathlon is using that as a way of seeing who they're going to select for sure. the World Series mixed team relays and ultimately who they're going to select for the Olympic mixed yeah. team relay. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, that's me. Well, you know, we've been kind of uh, stalking you, so to speak, on Strava, you know, over the last several years. And, um, you know, you're pretty much all over the place as far as uh, of location, your yeah. geolocation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, where are you doing most of your training uh, these days? Uh, yeah, I mean, really, like, it just changes so much. So, like, really just traveling around based on where my next race is and where our squad is based so i'm almost always training with my coach and all the other athletes that he coaches so we all train together mm. in, in like a daily training environment which is awesome like just makes doing the hard work so much easier oh like, sw like swimming like here when i'm here for three weeks swimming by myself every day is just brutal <laughs> but like there the swims go by faster and like really good people to train with and just a good that group group environment yeah it's awesome so will you guys uh be on similar training plans yeah we're almost all so same workout same, same day kind of yeah. thing we're all, i mean we pretty much do everything as a group i mean we're all i2 athletes yeah and we're all doing like more or less kind of the same race schedule yeah so yeah we can do pretty much everything together sometimes like Bike workouts, run workouts get split up into a couple groups, but oh. we're all doing the same thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not like when you show up for a, a group ride and it's going to be your easy day and then someone else has a different plan and they go no. full gas yeah. and then you're going full gas. <laughs> no, everything is yeah totally planned by our coach. Okay. So like, and like, yeah, even our easy stuff, a lot of the times we just go like by ourselves or with one other person or two okay. other people just to like keep it easy. Have some company too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, we've kind of seen we've seen you in Spain. Uh -huh. Yeah, a lot of time in Spain. Okay. Yeah. And like off the coast of Africa, Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the we can tell, talk a little about this. Yeah. There's different islands there. If you haven't seen it, you have to. Yeah. Canary, they're called the Canary Islands. So it's like down on the western side of Africa, a little bit south, like off the coast of Western Sahara, and just like this chain of islands down there. I think made up of like four or five islands and really popular for endurance athletes to go during the winter. Yeah. It's like super easy and super cheap to get there from Europe. Like they have flights there for like 20 bucks. It's just crazy because it's a like huge tourist destination. Oh, wow. So they got, it's really easy to get there from Europe and you just, yeah, go there and they built all these sports resorts there. So basically, I don't know who builds them, but there's just these resorts that have 50 meter pools. Oh, tracks wow, really? like everything and you live there like buffets that are oriented for like athletes like it's pretty so good crazy. food so and you're yeah. saying like different islands are for like the different disciplines right? yeah like not super strictly uh, but like pretty much like the one that i was on in january i was training in fuerteventura which and is that, the moon apparently looking looks, at the pictures yeah, it looks like mars yeah it's just like no yeah, trees <laughs> like red dirt it was pretty crazy, super windy. That's like the only negative about training there is the wind is oh, so windy. <laughs> Brutal. Like, and we were on one end, of, like we were at the top of the island, so you couldn't ride that way, obviously, because it's just the ocean. Yeah. And the wind was always in the same direction, and like we had to ride, we could only ride one way. I mean, there were multiple roads, but like general direction we had to go, I think like north or something. Yeah. 
and then always on the way back headwind like no matter how long we rode like we'd ride four hours and no matter what the last two hours headwind brutal headwind yeah so like uh, our island was mainly itu athletes and then lanzarote which is the next island we could actually see it from where we were uh-huh. just like four or five miles off the coast and that one is like tons of long distance athletes trained there and then yeah the other islands which aren't super close it's still part of the chain but it's over there a little bit and that's teed and tenerife and that's where all the cyclists go so that's pretty cool yeah that was interesting yeah you have to take a have to look up make a trip out there sometime yeah the, like it. the riding is awesome the cars are really respectful to cyclists and in all of spain is like that and uh so many roads awesome climbs just really nice place to train that's awesome so like you, you base where you're at essentially around where you're going to be racing how long do you go like in advance before a race uh like i'm not going to where i'm actually racing but okay. just kind of like that general part of the world yeah. i guess so like i mean yeah january we trained in spain because our group is based in europe mainly europeans now yeah. so we were just yeah. training there because it's really easy to get to and uh then my first race was in so like that wasn't really close to where we were racing but like for example now my next race is in madrid okay. in the beginning of may yep. so in a couple of weeks i'll go to portugal and we have like a training base there that we're using in like southern portugal and uh so i'll train there for like a month i'm not racing in portugal but i'm racing in madrid so it's like yeah just right like there. a short flight away yeah and then pretty much just probably staying there throughout the summer because like racing in europe all the time and through like may and june uh-huh. and then it's just so much easier to stay in europe and yeah. Then, but yeah like so like when you went to china how long were you i was only was there like for like in, yeah if you go yeah pretty much i mean you gotta go a week in advance because of jet lag so like got there like maybe six days before and then left as soon as possible after the race because pollution issues or anything like that or? Mm, not really but like because we weren't in like a super big city okay. but if we were in beijing yeah yeah but just training wise food wise it's just hard to manage which we'll probably want to dive into a little bit here that's got to be we'll a get challenging there. part yeah yeah all right sure. we'll, we'll kind of stick to our flow here so yeah. we don't get all over the place so just like just uh you know since we're talking training a little bit just for just to compare to to give something for an average amateur to compare to about how many hours of training are you doing each week yeah uh not like a ton but depending if i'm not racing any like in the next weekend or something just like a normal training week like for example like when i was this week or when I, back in january when i was training for my first race of the year probably like 28 30 ish hours a week so not much <laughs> <laughs> just like a full-time job right? <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it, it i mean yeah it definitely feels a lot like a and, a, and, a, and a peak like a peak volume would be what that's peak volume or? yeah that we don't really our training stays pretty consistent so, so yeah we don't shorter course though yeah we don't really like change the load via intensity versus adding a bunch more yeah i mean the load as far as like volume goes it stays more or less the same 28 ish hours a week yeah. and then kind of the intensity and that will change throughout so, the season. so with that so 28 to 30 hours how many workouts like actual workouts probably are you doing? two i mean like workouts as in each individual session yeah like, like are you doing workouts. no like run bike one day yeah like uh at probably three a day at oh, least wow. i mean yeah almost always three a day mm-hmm. whether that be like double run and a swim or i mean obviously lots of days are just swim bike run yeah and then a lot of like two times a week i'll have probably four because i added like a gym session so swim bike run gym because squats build lots yeah <laughs> squats build squats build lots uh-huh. I that one <laughs> seth uh, seth did tell us he, he got under the uh, the old barbell last yeah. night it's yeah. been, been a few weeks <laughs> he's like i'm really happy we're sitting on the couch today yeah feeling it <laughs> so um so how many times this is this something that i know uh some folks are wondering about how many times do you like run off the bike versus doing like a uh, structured like brick style session uh I, yeah i don't really do bricks i don't run off the bike in training <laughs> which m- might be like pretty surprising 
but uh, I mean, when I show up to run workouts, I feel like I run off the bike. I mean, I, when I train as much as we do, like you'd never go into a run feeling fresh. Yeah. Like I'm always tired and yeah, we just, I mean, yeah, I used to run off the bike with my previous coach, but I mean, and when I'm racing a lot, I feel like it's just unnecessary and running off the bike, those brick workouts, I just find that they make me really tired. And yeah. They take away from what I'll be able to do the next day. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the accumulation of fatigue. You know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're actually doing, you know, hard sessions on the bike and, and everything else, you're going to have so much accumulated fatigue that your run workouts are going to feel like you just, yeah. you yeah. just got off the bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, the point is to simulate that, right? Yeah. You want the feeling. Yeah. So if you're getting that feeling already, there's no yeah. reason to compound that, yeah. that fatigue. Exactly. Give you the rest so you can get the quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So, like, you know, we know you started in track on really early, you know, as a kid and getting getting onto the like the junior elite um, regional team. Yeah. So kind of explain like how the whole like development pathway, like elite development path pathway works. You know, in case somebody's wondering, like, how would I get my like how would I get my kid in that? Or yeah. uh, somebody's listening and saying, I, I, this is like a dream of mine, like, but I have no idea to sit how on the to couch get into or... the. Yeah, to get on this couch. <laughs> it's part of the elite development pathway. Yeah. Uh, but just explain that how that kind of works. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess triathlon is kind of maybe not a new sport, but we don't really have a development pathway that is the same for everyone. Like, I feel like in bigger sports, maybe everyone kind of goes the same route, like high school sports, NCAA sports, pro sports. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very clear path to take. But in triathlon, like there's, if you talk to any elite triathlete, they probably had a different way into the sport and different way how they got there. But like for me, I mean, yeah, the junior elite pathway, there is a pathway that you can take that's like all through triathlon. But a lot of times the best junior elite triathletes in the U.S., they're also, I mean, you're basically going to be running as one of the best runners in your high school cross country team if you're running cross country. So in the end, like lots of our junior triathletes, we lose them to collegiate running and then don't really get them back a lot of the times after that. But USAT, they've tried a few times in the past and it wasn't really working. But this time, I think they have a really good program that they set up at ASU in Arizona. Okay. And they're taking, it's basically like a supported program by ASU and USA Triathlon to take like high school, like the top junior elite triathletes right out of high school and then give them somewhere to go to college and still train yeah. like a pro. Cause that would be the decision they have to make, right? Yeah. Do, I, do Everyone, I try to make it as a pro or do I go to college, still yeah. compete? And I mean, I'm one of the few people that got to the senior year of high school and was like, all right, I'm just gonna yeah. try to go pro just and go on make, in, it, yeah. make it as a pro, which is one of the few people in the US, but every other country in the world, that's just what everyone does. That's the norm, huh? Yeah. But uh, before that, it is a pretty clear pathway. I mean, if when if you do youth triathlons when you're younger, and then once you turn 13, 14, you can do youth elite, which is like the first time that you start doing draft elite yeah, racing. Yeah. And then when you're 16, you start to do junior elite races. And there's a series of those by USA Triathlon. There's like four or five races around the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you basically just do those races, and then if you then from those races you can qualify to go to international races like. The Pan American Championships or the World Championships, and then those races would be supported by USAT. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you if you had to go back, kind of stay on this topic briefly, if you had to go back, would you change the path that you took? Are there certain things you would you would mix up, or are you are you pretty happy with? Uh, I'm yeah, I'm pretty happy that I decided to just go. Yeah. I mean, I I did go to school to college for one year after high school at Queens University in mm-hmm. Charlotte, but then. I knew pretty quickly into my first semester there that I was probably not going to go back for a second year. Gotcha. Just because, I mean, I wasn't able to really do as well in school as I was hoping to because I was trying to train like a full-time pro and trying to go to school like a full-time student and Mm -hmm. it wasn't really working that well. So, and I didn't want both of them to suffer. Yeah. So I just decided to go all in and try for them. I'm pretty happy with that decision. That's all. Seems to be working out for you. Yeah, definitely. So far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, this 
topic comes up every so often and it's like, okay, you're an elite level amateur, you know, like what are your options as far as like turning pro and mm-hmm. like what directions you can go and you can get a pro card and then like go and do, you know, uh, non-drafting races yeah. and try to go and, and basically everybody ends up doing long course mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it seems, it seems far less common that people get to that high level and then decide, okay, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go pro, but I'm going to go to draft legal, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's, it, I don't think it's as obvious, like, that, that there's an, like, that's a, an option or that's a pathway for yeah. a lot of younger athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, unless you're already into draft legal racing when you're younger, youthly, junior elite kind of thing, like, if you're not doing draft legal racing when you're 16 or 17 years old, and maybe you're mid-20s and you want to become a pro, it's pretty hard to get your foot in the door of draft legal racing because, I mean, there's not that many options yeah. for draft legal racing that aren't pro and aren't junior, like, in between those two. Right. Oh. Yeah. There's not really anything that you can do. Like, you're either racing junior draft legal or you're racing elite draft legal. Yeah. I've been, I've been like, trying to, like, lobby race directors for years to bring out, like, to, to do an amateur draft yeah, legal Yeah, especially because now the sprint worlds, right, is draft yeah, legal. Yeah, draft legal, yeah. Yeah, and there's like, you, it's still really hard to find draft legal races in yeah. the U.S. Yeah, and, and like, you know, for, for you too, like growing up, you were at all the local crits and mm-hmm. learning like those, those yeah. skills, yeah. like the skill set for riding a pack. And that comes in like, it helps so much in us racing. Like, I'm one of the few people that grew up racing bikes like that, and I mean, it really shows. Like, if I, I mean, most of these races now, you're coming into T2 in a group of like 30 guys, 40 guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it you come into T2 and it's only like two or three people wide, and you dismount at the back, you're like 30 seconds behind by the time you get out of T2. So, like, getting to the front, it's like race over. Getting to the right? front for T2, I would compare it to like getting to the front for the last K. Yeah. of a bike race or like get into the front before you hit the last climb or something yeah yeah like it's like Absolutely. a huge fight Pace accelerates yeah like people have lead out trains for yeah. getting to t2 in oh, certain wow. races and like if you have a domestique like part of the domestique's job would be to get you to t2 first and it's like a race that is awesome to the dismount line which really? is pretty crazy that's sometimes. the kind of stuff that they that even on the coverage of the, yeah definitely you don't you don't see it. It. yeah like, you totally miss that but you like, see like the last 10 seconds before everybody uh-huh. dismounts yeah you get like i mean it really feels like a lead out train like you have people yelling like block the left block the left like move right and like uh-huh. like these whole trains of people yeah. and like people yelling and that that's when all the crashes happen so too. by having a domestique would that be like is this someone that you'd like train with that you're friends with is this like based on uh i mean usually if you have a, it depends or... on what the race is so like i do i've done some club racing like in mm-hmm. france and okay. germany and then you're racing for a club so you're not not like so like they can have people there just to be a domestique gotcha okay. and like maybe three people score and then two other guys are there just to make sure everyone makes the front group gotcha okay and then like a lot most of the in those races most people will have domestiques to help them get to the front and then like that's awesome itu races like world like wts and yeah. world cups mainly it's like it's not super common but some races like the federation usa triathlon yeah. whatever yeah. national federation will appoint a domestique for a certain athlete okay. usually it's a runner that is not really good at swimming so gotcha. they pick a domestique that's just really good on the bike to help them to help get them get up. to the front after the swim. Gotcha. And then like in Gold Coast, I had a domestique, and uh, I don't know why. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I ended up not having a great race, but basically his job was just try to create a breakaway, and like because I mean yeah I wanted to with you in it or? with me in it okay. yeah so because I'm like swim bike you is just strong swim yeah, yeah. my strength. So we wanted to get a group away and like keep it away and get a gap as big as possible. And he's a really good swimmer, way better than me, and really strong on the bike. And uh, yeah, he led the swim, like pace changes to make it split up a little bit. And like he, I mean, the swim was really fast in that race. Oh. And then we he did it perfectly. Anytime like someone didn't want to go to the front or someone wanted to skip a pole, he would just go to the front and keep the pace up. And 
like if you do it right it actually helps a lot and we had yeah. a breakaway of like 10 guys and we put like two minutes into the field so nice was, like those are the you don't realize that, there's that yeah that much strategy really going yeah, on right man. yeah yeah makes and it, yeah a lot of it is like cycling based tactics exactly yeah so um kind of moving on i could talk about strategy all day <laughs> all day long okay. but um you know one one thing we wanted to kind of ask is like you know since you're at this elite level now like what do you like what's like maybe one thing or two things that you kind of attribute to the success that you've you've gained over the years uh i mean i think like all the experiences that i've gained like from doing all the individual sports when i was younger like that's helped so much like bike racing running with teams swimming with my swim team like that helped so much that when i was like when got to the point where I joined a training group and started racing professionally, I had already trained with people that were so much better than me in those sports because I was training yeah. with people that were like single sport focused. Yeah. So I was always training with people that were so much stronger than me in all three. And then just like, I don't know, I really enjoy going out and training. So I ended up from when I was pretty young training a lot compared to what other people my age were doing and I mean it's an endurance sport so yeah. <laughs> training a lot helps mm -hmm. so yeah I think like training a lot from when I was young and just working hard have definitely helped a lot absolutely because yeah, there's probably a lot of people out there that could be high level but just don't have the motivation to yeah. train 28 30 yeah. hours a week but yeah I mean when you enjoy it like yeah it's not that hard to get mm -hmm. out the door and go on the bike so having talent having motivation and putting in work that's a good recipe for success. That's pretty good. <laughs> people to people yeah. working with. Exactly. A lot too. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of give us, um, well, real quick, since some, since uh, your buddy David's blowing us up. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is he excited? He's like, did I get a shout out? He, I, I caught the, I didn't miss the beginning. He first wanted you to, wanted to remember the day uh, the Forrest Spence 5K in 2012 where he defeated you. <laughs> uh, he will never forget that day. Uh, but... Um, basically run down like your your most like one of your most memorable moments you've had since you've been pro and then like i'd like to know the worst day of your life when <laughs> since you've been pro uh-huh uh i'd say the most memorable moment would definitely be uh edmonton mixed relay that was awesome like yeah i was first of all just to get selected to be on the mixed relay I mean, if you're on a mixed relay with team usa at one of these World Series relays, like, you're a contender for the win. Mm -hmm. I mean, our women are the best women in triathlon. We have, like, Strong. every WTS, we have at least one or two women on the podium. Yeah. Like, the women on Team USA are really good. And uh, and the women make such a big difference in the relay. That's where the race gets blown apart. So, yeah. like, to be on a relay with Team USA, you're in with a middle shot for sure. And uh, so for, for me to even get selected for that, was a really big surprise and then immediately after a lot of nervousness came in because i was like all right yeah. i can't mess up because uh there's a lot of people relying on me so yeah to actually perform on that day and i mean everyone i think i don't know why but everyone all the countries decided to put their strongest guy second so i went second <laughs> like girl guy girl guy i was yeah. the first guy second leg okay and uh that's usually like it usually kind of stays together and everyone puts their weaker guy there so that's what we did uh -huh. and then uh all the other countries decided to put their strongest guy there so i was standing there so the plan was to try to get a gap early for yeah. the other countries yeah and, and then uh so the women were coming in and uh i was standing around there the women were on the run about to tag us off and like i was standing there with brownlee vincent louis <laughs> like just like the strongest guys in triathlon at the moment and i was kind please of, tell me you told him bring it on before you left right <laughs> no i was just freaking out <laughs> I and uh, out. i just looked at my friend and shook my head like, you didn't oh, mean yeah. <laughs> and then yeah they were just going full on i think there was like a 45 second hill right out of transition and i didn't have i don't have a power meter but one of the guys that i was riding with we were like a group of six i think away and i managed to swim with them and then on the bike, Brownlee went to the front on this hill and did like 680 watts for 45 seconds right out of T1. <laughs> like, that was just... Got to be warmed up for that. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> wow. Like, so did you hang with? Yeah, I hung with on the swim bike, and then I lost like 15 seconds on the run. But I, I think I tagged off in fourth or something. Nice. 
So, and then we ended up getting second in the sprint finish between like five teams. Oh wow, that's so epic! It was yeah, awesome. if you if you have it, like if you can go and watch that replay of that race, we need to it's pretty. We need to find it. Pretty entertaining for yeah, sure. Yeah, you can see the acceleration from Johnny up the hill. Oh yeah, it's like no one sits down for a minute. Everyone's just out of the saddle sprinting. <laughs> and you're like, is this going to continue at this pace? I was like, I when we got not. to the top of the hill, I was like, if he does this next lap, because it's two laps, yeah, he did that on the first lap. And I was like, if he does this in the next lap, no way, I'm keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so worst moment. Worst moment so far as a pro? Uh, maybe it's because this one is fresh in my mind, but Cape Town World Cup, which was in February, I got like, I don't know, we got norovirus, which is basically this crazy Ooh, stomach virus. Yeah. yeah. And it, somehow it got spread all through Team USA. And some people got it before the race, some people got it, like one girl got it during the race and then had to go to the hospital. It's not good. And then some people got it after the race on the flight home. But I got sick like, 48 hours before the race and basically couldn't eat anything couldn't keep anything down i lost like six pounds and i was just super dehydrated and i don't know i like started to feel a little bit better but i still couldn't eat anything but i decided depleted for 48 hours i just decided to go for it and race and i was like getting ready in transition and i was like could barely stand up and really and i raced but it was it was brutal it It was was a bad day in the office it was just yeah i felt really out of it the whole time so, oh wow yeah that was not enjoyable unfortunately you made it through <laughs> yeah yeah I made it's it a through. plus well since we're stuck we're talking about uh stomach bugs this is a good time to lead into nutrition <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna talk about your weekend two weeks ago then. no no i'm not okay, good but just you know as a as an elite athlete like how how much would you say that nutrition on the day-to-day is important to you or are you still kind of like eating for sport where you uh you're what's the michael phelps diet uh i mean you're winning the hot dog eating contest on the side kobayashi (laughs) over here uh part-time i mean you look hungry (laughs) no like i mean i'm only 22 so like there's definitely still a lot of things like the small things that go along with professional sport that i'm not doing right but uh i've been trying to improve my nutrition quite a bit and i mean yeah it's huge like i find the days where I don't really think about what I'm eating and I just like do whatever I want are the days that I like I'm in my last workout of the day and like I still have an hour to go and then all of a sudden I'm just like starving or whatever mm-hmm. and I'd like and like really struggling to finish my workout yeah. but then like if I actually like focus on what I'm eating and like plan my day and make sure that I'm eating enough to get through all my sessions then I can execute my training a lot better. And uh, so yeah, doing that and just focusing on it a lot more have helped a lot and just like executing day-to-day training. Do you have like an estimate on like calorie intake or is it, I'm hungry, I eat it? Yeah, I'm hungry, I eat it. Like I eat until I'm full and yeah. Then, uh, yeah. My guess is you're not on the Atkins diet. What's that? That's the, the only uh, high protein, high fat, low, low carb. carb. Yeah, mm-hmm. fasting. <laughs> Not on those? No. No. I'll do some fasted runs. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, especially at the beginning of the season, I was mm-hmm. doing quite a few fasted runs, but like 30 or 40 minute jogs uh, in the morning. Shorter. Before breakfast. Yeah. And, and then while, while training, is that something you're working on as well? Making sure you're fueling up, especially earlier in the day, you know, first, first training session, are you doing a lot of focused nutrition while working out or is it getting uh, most of it before and after? Uh, not really. Cause like, I mean, other than a couple sessions a week, most of my stuff is not super long like i'm not like hour hour and a half in the pool or like 75 minutes max in the pool usually in like an hour hour 20 maximum running yeah what are you what are you clearing in 75 minutes in the pool is that 5k like uh like i just this one i just did just now i got in it was exactly 75 minutes because i was kind of in a rush so i went on like a faster interval but i got like six thousand in So you're so you're basically doing yeah, almost double what Dale's two weeks the average amateur is doing in one session in seventy five minutes. That's what that's my big thing for like learn to get fast first mm-hmm. because the fast get faster because you can put in a bigger workload in the same amount of time. Yeah. Once you gain, you like know, you, you you can do so much in an hour in the pool. Like I never sit on the wall for more than thirty seconds. Yeah. From what I get in the water. That's probably another big difference. I would probably drown amateur. if I tried to get seventy five minutes in a pool. I would be drowning. Like lifeguards on duty, correct? <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I got to ask this since you were out on GPAC. Uh, you know, is that is that something that your coach put on the plan, or are you just going rogue? Uh, no, I actually he had plans for me to do some because I had like double bike day that day. I've been doing quite a few of those lately, but he had plans for me to do like a trainer workout in the morning with some intervals and then an easy ride in the evening. But I told him about the ride, and I was like, there's this ride I could do. It's like 30, 40 minutes of hard effort. Can I do it, basically? Because <laughs> I really wanted to do it. Yeah. It's so much better than doing efforts in the trainer. And yeah, he, I got the green light from him, so I'm not going rogue. <laughs> <laughs> going rogue. We don't want to get you in trouble, but... Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I yes. don't listen to it. So. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the group ride can be a really great source of training or like demolish an entire week. No, I mean, yeah, I think it was fine. Like it really felt a lot like an IT race. How did that sort of simulate an actual ITU race? I mean, yeah, there's, there's a few different types of an ITU bike race. Like there's the type where you get a group of six or eight guys away and it's like a really steady rotating pace line mm-hmm. and then there's the type where it all comes together maybe the swim is slow no one really pushes the swim and then there's 40 guys together gotcha. and that's kind of what it felt like like uh-huh. really hard and then like backed off and then really hard but like yeah i mean much more quite. strategic yeah people yeah. trying to then get a break yeah yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. not but, wanting to run it out yeah no sprint finish though no sprint finish. <laughs> <laughs> that's right I think we get we get you got a KOM on that ride, didn't you? Yeah, but it was just the KOM for like when you're going up Monterey and turn right on Fisherville, like just the turn. <laughs> I'm just the person that took the turn. He the took the turn the quick. It's because he did not look for traffic. Yeah, he's not stopping to look uh, for traffic so there. It's one of those unsafe KOMs. Ah. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and flag it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> By the way, uh, if you look for Seth on Strava, uh, it says he lives in Toadsuck. Arkansas, don't don't be confused. That's the set. Yeah, that's me. So look for Toad Suck, yeah. Arkansas, which is a place. It is. It it's is not place. far from here, actually. Not far, and that you can find them. But I don't actually live there. No. <laughs> All right. So a few little rapid fire questions for you here. So these are just favorite things, okay? So your favorite race? Uh, Montreal. Okay. WTS. Yeah. Montreal. Uh, favorite piece of gear? Ooh. Uh, Nike Four Percents. Okay, all right. They they as fast as people say they are. Yeah, they're awesome. I really like them, but right. I like the last year's model better. Okay, that's awesome. Did you buy a bunch of them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like really expensive. Three hundred bucks. So, uh, your favorite pre-race meal? Uh, if the race is in the morning, oatmeal. If it's in the afternoon, rice. All right, like straight rice? Just white rice. Mm-hmm. Nothing on salt. Uh, a bit of salt, maybe. Yeah, okay. Why? Why the oatmeal versus the rice? Uh, I would do rice all the time, but I, I struggle to eat rice in the morning. Huh. There you go. So, but sometimes in the morning I'll have rice, especially if I'm in Asia. Okay. Because I don't have oatmeal. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So favorite post-race meal? Uh, depends where I'm twenty-one am now, right? In the world, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> usually like a burger or something. Actually. My post-race meal that I most enjoyed last year was after the Antwerp World Cup in Belgium. There was like a fry stand, like a Fritz ah, Belgian yeah, yeah, yeah. French fries. And I just got like a huge thing of French fries with a bunch of mayo. And that was the most satisfying post-race <laughs> meal. There you go. A little, bit, a little starch, fries, little fat. Yeah. Are they calling them French fries uh, no, over in Belgium? Like palm frites? Or yeah, palm frites. Uh, something like that. It's about as far as I go as far as... Uh, <laughs> European yeah, that was culture. impressive, man. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. All right, so last little last little thing here. We'll, we're, I know we're kind of taking up a lot of your time, but um, any words of wisdom you've got? We know you've, you've got years and years <laughs> in you now, Seth. Yeah. Grown man. Words yeah. of wisdom for, for the competitive athlete. We don't, we'll just leave it to that at the competitive level. Yeah. Uh, I'd say just, like, keep things simple. People often, like, overcomplicate training and just think way too much about what they're doing. And I think, like, I mean, triathlon is an endurance sport. It's pretty simple. Like, you just have to get fit, and you'll get faster. And uh, enjoy it. Go out and train. But, like, yeah, just put in the time, put in the hours of work, and you'll definitely get stronger. It, it rewards those who put in the work. Yeah. Awesome. How can people uh, follow you? 
Uh, Instagram at Rethsider. Like, if you just switch the first letter. You're keeping things confusing, man. Yeah. Just keeping things confusing over here. And then <laughs> Facebook at, oh, I don't know. I have two Facebooks, I guess. One, like, athlete page. And one for trolling. And one for just, oh. like, my normal Facebook <laughs> page. <laughs> one for talking politics and the other for, uh, for sports-related stuff. And then uh, Strava also, I actually... I post quite a bit on Strava. My bike and runs automatically upload, and then oh, excellent! I try to like add photos when I can. So when are you going to get on days. power? Uh, I've had a power meter before. I had it sitting in my room, but I don't know. I just don't really like it. Don't like so much more off feel or heart rate or just feel. Okay. Yeah, I don't train with heart rate or power or anything. Just does your cut coach go mad? No, he, no I, pretty much everyone he coaches is really? like that. He probably likes it. Yeah, like less, a lot of people that kind of volume. It's too, pretty though, easy so when like, you're with. Of the group because like most of our bike sessions will be like all right you're doing hill reps here okay. with everyone or like you're doing a paceline effort here with everyone yeah he actually sees you yeah hit 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 you yeah know, do the workout yeah he'll like watch you pace. and tell you to go like slow down or speed up yeah gotcha. he doesn't yeah. have to like ask well, how many watts was that one uh, yeah and then running will go by pace and then swimming is the easiest because it's pretty controlled i mean you can control yeah. it and just yeah. with the pace clock so, yeah. awesome Man, we appreciate you coming in, taking time on uh, yeah, your for busy me. training schedule. No, today is my town. chillest day of the week, so perfect. Not too much going on. Awesome. Time for a great post-recovery meal. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. nutritious yeah. meal. Nutritious meal. Right. I still got to run this we, afternoon. We so are going to fun. Jason's Deli uh, to get salads. Yeah. Everyone, not the case. Wink, wink. That's a lie. <laughs> All right. Well. We Seth, appreciate, we appreciate you guys. It, yeah, thanks, guys. And good luck uh, on the rest of the season. If you guys yeah. have questions later, just post them on uh, on Facebook. We'll try to get them to Seth. Yeah, I can like on. go through the comments and respond to. Awesome. It's all David. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> just don't <to> text me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, guys. You appreciate you everyone hanging out, listening. Um, we uh, we appreciate Seth's time. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Adios.